Hi everyone, and welcome to the 54th episode of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Colin. Hello, everyone. And Lauren. Hello. And we're, I guess, not fresh or out of E3 anymore because it was over a week ago, yeah. but we're out of E3. <laughs> but it seems just like yesterday. It does seem just like yesterday, actually. <laughs> yeah, it really I does. I still remember the FF13 Part 2 demo. I almost kind of wish yes, we could we, go back. Uh, we, we did spend a lot of time at the Square Enix booth, although most of it was not for the... Well, I guess we we spent quite a lot of time with Final Fantasy. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we spent the most time with Final Fantasy. I mean, there was Tomb Raider, Hitman, and Dungeon Siege and whatnot, but we didn't get as much hands-on time with it. No, it's all about Final Fantasy Thirteen Part Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although... But we'll talk a bit more about that later in our, in our new section, where we'll be discussing some of the new stories that have come out of E3, as well as our impressions of the game. Mm-hmm. And we've also got Burning Question and the Question segment. But before I go on to that, I want to apologize because this podcast is going to be out a little bit late due to some technical difficulties. And I will raise my hand and admit that it was my fault. Daryl! I'm sorry. Aww, I'm sorry. Ah, oh, come on, man. What okay? are you doing? But this, is, this is really bad because Kingdom Hearts Union was had to be cancelled and now we've had to delay this one. It's like we've had, we, went, we went so long without having yeah, any problems. Yeah, we've just had, we've had so two many, right on top of each other. So much bad luck. Well, something was bound to happen. Yeah, I guess. We had a good streak. Yeah. So, yes, again, sorry. And at least this one was not cancelled. Exactly. No, it wasn't. Don't let this uh, be a bad omen, though. Uh, And if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, then uh, we hope you continue to listen and and carry on listening and hopefully you stick around. Most people seem to enjoy it. (laughs) Hopefully you will, too. (laughs) <laughs> hopefully hopefully please do <laughs> please but anyway if you uh if you are listening for the first time final fantasy union is part of a podcast series called final fantasy and kingdom hearts union and it's presented by the gaming union network it comes out on the itunes store finalfantasyunion.com and colin ff-xiii.net and as david would put it epicson <laughs> yes david would put it like that so i, I guess sneezed when i say that say that said that when you say that, say that, said that. <laughs> said that, said that, said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess without much further ado, we should uh, bash on with some news because we have a ton of stuff to talk about this episode. But we're not going to get on to Final Fantasy Thirteen Part 2 just yet. save the yet. best for last, yes. so to speak. There is some rather depressing news first. Yes. Okay, Take it first away, bit Colin. of news. Out of Square Enix, right out of E3, we sat down with uh, Yoshinori Kitase and asked him a little bit about Final Fantasy Type 0, since that was one of the most uh, requested questions on Twitter and the forums. We asked him when we might, when we can expect a Western release, and he said, as you may know very well, the PSP market outside of Japan, it's not quite the same. So at the moment, he can't give any confirmed statements or decisions. Hmm. And he asked fans to be patient for a little bit longer. I think we've been patient I enough. Know. How long's the game been in development now? Well, if you consider FF12, it's really not... People should be used to it by now. Yeah. Yeah, but at least with FF12, we kind of knew we were going to get the game. Yeah, it wasn't so uncertain now. And now like, the game is already like being released in Japan, and we still yeah, don't the, know. The game's, coming, the game's coming out, I guess, within two months mm. in Japan, and they haven't even stated whether or not we're going to be getting a release date, let alone when it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I put the blame on the timing, because if... They release it sometime around the end of the year. That's when the PlayStation Vita comes out. It's true. Yeah, it's really not the best of timing for them. No. So, if anything, I think they they will probably release it on Vita or maybe through PSN, as a lot of pe- a lot of people commented and speculated on comments. I really think it would be yeah, a good I mean, idea every- if they released it on PSN. I wouldn't mind buying it on PSN. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying, right, so we're at this day and age... Square Enix always releases their games worldwide, and they've done it for every PSP game, Birth by Sleep, Dissidia, 1 and 2, uh, Crisis Core, Third Birthday, Lord of Arcana even, but this is different because with all of those games, we they knew at the, least. The yeah. Western release yeah. we didn't We didn't necessarily know when the game was going to come out close to the Japanese game, but we knew it was going to come out at some point. <laughs> with and Type Zero, we don't even know. It's just weird, yeah, and they don't even seem to know either. It's just weird because it's like you know, um, Dissidia Duodecim. It didn't do too well, right? Um, or it didn't it did do. Okay. It did okay. It didn't do as well, nearly as well. It did as, okay, like, but not as well as the, as the original Dissidia. Exactly. The original Dissidia did a lot better. But then they have no problems in releasing Third Birthday 
why do they have so many issues wanting to release Type Zero in America or in I, I, Western? I think it's, it literally is just the timing because, you know, it's two UMDs, mm. so I'm guessing it's going to take quite a long time for them to actually localize the game because if they haven't started already... Yeah, we're not going to see know, the game for like then, another year anyway. Yeah, I mean... It, like you know they've got a bit better in recent years but i mean dissidia came out nine months after the japanese yeah. release and i think when how long did it take for them to do birth by sleep i'm not even sure birth by sleep was about half a half a year or slightly longer yeah third mm-hmm. birthday was a couple of months right mm-hmm. third birthday was three months but dissidia geodesum was um pretty much at the same time yeah mm-hmm so you know it's a bit of a mixed bag, but I think Agito is just a very different ball ball game because it's type, a full type zero. Even even though it's on the PSP, it's very much a full scale Final Fantasy. Or at least that's that's the impression that they're giving us. Mm-hmm. Exactly, which makes me like so angry that we might not be able to get it. Like that makes me just so upset. You know, I just think from a financial perspective, you know, they can't it can't be that much of a hit to release it on the PlayStation Network and. Like it, if they don't even do that, then they're just stupid. Yeah. I mean, if they release it alongside the Vita mm. as one of its launch titles, that would be a pretty good move, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but not from Sony's perspective. Hey, buy the Vita. You can check out this cool PSP game on it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. They might upgrade the visuals. I wouldn't or make even a mind PSP if remaster. they didn't have the voice acting in it. If it was just mute, and then maybe they had like the subtitles changed from Japanese to They've English. They've got to have voice acting in it. The Nolan good North old needs blue a new role. Oh my gosh! Nolan North, Nolan needs North a new does role. not need a new role. I just heard that he's in the Darkness Two as the main character, and I'm just like, oh, he's in everything. Wait, that was Nolan North? Yeah, Nolan North is the tell. new lead in Darkness Two. They replaced the original. Yeah, actor. I could not tell. <laughs> He's going to be in Final Fantasy Thirteen Part Two as a as some kind of small character, in, you know. Oh, maybe he he's Noel. He was in Final Fantasy Thirteen, 13 as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was like a side character that nobody cared about. He's in everything. Space. Space. Yes. So, so basically, <laughs> we all hope that Type Zero gets a release on PlayStation Network. I'm not holding out for a, a UMD release, mm-hmm. just because I'm of not the holding out for a 2011 release. I think if it's PlayStation Network, we might see it this year. Yeah. Even if, if we not, did, it would probably be closer to the end. Plus, we have, haven't heard anything about lo- localization or voice acting. Exactly. No. And usually, I mean, usually by now, there's at least been leaks. I mean, like with uh, Duodecim, everyone knew that it was being localized because all the voice actors... Yeah, yeah like Ali Hillis is reprising her role as Lightning. But we haven't really heard anything. The only thing we've heard is that, like, Ali Hillis was recording for like um the demo parts of 13 part 2. Although I'm going to I'm going to just keep hope for the moment as they did say like just please be patient. So that's not yes, that's not no. Yeah, I don't think they're just going to forget about the west. Yeah, like I mean which would be incredibly ironic because they're trying to expand into the west. Exactly. Yeah, but and the other thing that's ironic is Type Zero is not designed for the West. Yeah. But it's the one that everyone's anticipating. Exactly. <laughs> it's so funny. <sighs> but I guess we should uh, move on a bit from Type Zero and move on to the, the big cheese, which is Final Fantasy Thirteen Part Two. Which yes, we did all play, except Lauren. Yeah, I didn't except get to Lauren. play it. Well, we didn't have enough time. Well, she did get have. You did have like an eyes on 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 the exclusive behind closed doors. Yeah, we yeah, all, we we all have eyes on. Publicly broadcasted to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Colin Colin played it, and I played it for about five minutes um, because I didn't have much more time. Yeah, I was... Honestly, that demo isn't long enough to showcase all of those new features that we are going to talk about. I was being rushed through uh, Hitman Absolution and Deus Ex, and yeah, unfortunately, couldn't, couldn't play it, but... I did get to see it, so that's that's good enough for me, I guess. You were playing Catherine when I was playing it. I was playing Catherine, wasn't I? Yes, yes, you were. Ah. But yeah, so Final Fantasy Thirteen Part Two. Um, I guess we'll just go top down with everything we kind of established from E three. Yes. yes. Sure. Okay. Let's do that. Well, do first it, of all, which now? Noel is the new main character. Lightning. They they led us to believe that well, Lightning would be the main character. Noel and Sarah not. are the two two new main characters. Mm-hmm. It, well, Noel's blatantly the main character, and Sarah's the supporting. Come on. Oh, way to be sexist, Daryl. 
It's not being or sexist. Or is Sarah the main character and you're only seeing things through the eyes of Noelle? Hmm. No, because you play as Noelle. Well, you played as Titus and you played as Vaughn. <laughs> well, in any case, in any case, Noelle is pretty much replacing Snow, which is all I care about. Yeah, for some reason, the Japanese public didn't like Snow, and I guess... <laughs> It's, it seems Maybe like the seems Western public didn't like snow yeah, either. Yeah, that seems Please. to be the general consensus all the way around, even though I like snow, but... I like snow as well. Oh, well. But yeah, they've replaced him with an androgynous male character, um, who's, Big I guess... Surprise there. He looks just He's a mixture like between Yuna. Squall and Yuna. Squall and Yuna yep. combined. Well, my take on him is that he looks like a very young guy. <laughs> that as well. And he everyone, has, he has everyone the same nose, com- he has the same white face, the big jaw. And everyone is commenting on the fact that he's wearing female clothing. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are... I would not call those female clothing. It's just more what? very very oriental. Very traditional. It's, he's, he's, from, he's from Pulse, so he's just wearing tribe what clothing. Pul- Pulsians would wear. Yeah, apparently all Pulse people wear blue. Well, I like what I like what Colin said before that... Not true! Vanu wore pink. <laughs> I like what um, Colin said before about... Uh, that maybe this was actually the character designs for Fang when Fang was originally supposed to be a guy. Yeah, yeah, I was saying like before <laughs> the show, you know, this could very well be Fang when she was actually, a Actually, that would not surprise me because <laughs> from what I've seen in 13 Part 2, uh, it's a bit of a rehash. Yeah. I think the similarities are a bit too uncanny. Yeah. Well, he, do- he doesn't have an Australian accent. No. Which, again, confuses me because they've made it seem like everyone from Pulse has an Australian well, accent. Yeah, that does that, not that make is, sense. Well, maybe he, maybe he, maybe he isn't from Pulse. Maybe he is just like a cocoon civilian. Cl- one of the I, I'm sure they've said he's from Pulse. Have they? I think so because his his clothing is pretty much identical to Fang's. Mm-hmm. Oh well, we'll find out soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, right. So some of the other new stuff they've added in is they've changed how encounters happen. In thirteen, the monsters just kind of sat there, and in thirteen part two, it's random. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. The monsters will spawn, and then you'll have the chance to... Basically, when you get close to a monster, a ring will appear around your character, which is kind of like MGS4's threat meter. And um, depending on how close you are, like uh, the ring will either go white or blue. No, it will go white or red. <laughs> if, you, if, you sw- if you swing One or the monster, other, it changes color. Yeah, if you, if you swing while it is red, then you have a chance to get a preemptive strike if you miss no no I think you can pretty much swing whenever because I just kind of charged at the enemies and struck them in the face (laughs) yeah but if you hit them when it's red then you get the preemptive strike no whenever I hit them I get the preemptive strike what the whole point what's the point of the red thing then I don't know fanciful visuals (laughs) I'm sure that was I'm sure that's what it was yeah I I don't know I never paid attention to the colors of the rings all I know is that you can pretty much get a preemptive strike on any battle unless you miss well, yeah, unless you miss, then the monsters will attack you and you get a back attack. I just remember Daryl talking about his uh, funny experience that he had with one of the people who was playing next to him. Oh, man, this this was so funny, right? So when I was playing it, when Lauren was playing Catherine, I, this woman came up and started playing the game next to me. And um, she was running through the bit where you, you first have your encounters and she went into the Kelta. She didn't really know what was going on, so they got a back attack on her and she just started screaming and ran off <laughs> like not in game but literally ran away from the tv yes she literally ran away from the console <laughs> she put the controller down and just ran away oh she should never and, like, pick the, up a silent and, hill game yeah and and well the ironic thing is that she was a japanese person so you'd think she'd know what final fantasy was mm-hmm. and she didn't even have headphones on <laughs> so she wasn't hearing any sound and like me and like the two people who were kind of manning the console just kind of looked at each other. Just kind of like, and it was just like what? Just uh, what? <laughs> what just oh, happened? That that... Is amusing. But yeah. Um. So random encounters in the demo that we saw, pretty much every single encounter was preemptive strike. Yeah. So I don't know how that's going to go. That well, you can of... also run away from the battles. Mm. Yeah, you can run away. So if you don't want to encounter them, I'm, but I'm guessing that there's they're going to make it so that some enemies are faster than you. Possibly. So you can't Probably. run away. That's how they'll do that. But we didn't see any of that in the demo, obviously. No. Well, it's because you were fighting against slimes. Yeah. Slimes <laughs> Slimes are... Well, they not... had flans and they had little those little penguin-looking things. I forget what they're called. Aramons? Penguin-looking things. Love yeah. the description, Colin. 
I'm sure I'm sure people know what I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so one of the other major things that they were showing off was the non-linear gameplay, which to me Daryl doesn't think it's very, very non-linear. It's just a sham. <laughs> well, it's a I, I for one appreciate the bigger maps, and I, I for one appreciate the branching paths as opposed to the straight lines that were in. Well, from what they showed, right? So in the demo, they showed off the map and they were like, look at this great expansive map. And it was pretty much just a straight corridor with a few branching <laughs> paths which don't go anywhere. So there's probably just treasure chests down there or something. And yes, there are actual branching paths, Colin. But the thing is that you just have to pick one or the other. So it's not really non-linear. No, and everything well, kind of leads to the same conclusion. Well, if you consider previous conclusion. Final Fantasies, it's pretty much the same. It's just how they handle the linearity of it's it. It's just like you take you take... That you have, to, you get from A to B, and you can either take path A or you can take path but B. Either way, but either the way, all you can take, you, all same. you can take the main corridor, circle into path A, and back into B, and out in front of Atlas, which, which is was pretty the big much we just a complicated way of getting to the same result. Yeah. So the the example they showed in the demo was you, you walk through this area, and there's this big monster called Atlas, which you're trying to take down, and you get to this point, and it comes up with another new thing, the dialogue option. <gasps> Dialogue options. It looks a lot like the one in Mass Effect. Yeah. I'm not sure how significant yeah, you had four options. They were like, "What do you want to do?" So it wasn't like a conversation or anything. It was like, "What do you want to do?" You can ask this person for their advice. You can ask this person for their advice. You can do what you want, or I can't remember what the other one was. <laughs> live in the moment. Yes, live in yeah, the moment. Live in the moment. Or something. Fight Atlas stupid. head on. So yeah, you either had the choice of fighting Atlas head head on, or going off on a baby. I, I wouldn't call it a side quest, more like an optional objective to weaken Atlas first before fighting him. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, though, that for me, non-linear means, okay, so if I have chose the second path, it would, have been, it would have done something that wasn't really related to the quest. But the optional path was directly related to the quest because it halved Atlas's health. Yeah. So if they're going to set it up like that, why would you ever not do the side path? Because it doesn't take you any more time. How much you want to bet there's a trophy associated with fighting Atlas without doing that option. Yeah, as well. More unlikely. I, I just, from from what they showed in the demo, it didn't look, and, and I know this is a demo, so it's probably going to be very different in the main game when they show other facets of the gameplay, but it didn't seem as though doing that side quest really changed much. No. Like it, 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 it made took your them life a, easier. Well, yeah, but it took them about two minutes to do it, and it probably would have taken them about a minute to get to Atlas if they hadn't done it. So, like, it it just seems strange because usually in in games side quests are massive departures, and honestly, I'm playing through Dungeon Seed three right now, and I can imagine that being very much w- like what Final Fantasy thirteen part two is trying to achieve, which basically means that they're trying to make it into a Western RPG. Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing I do kind of want, like, if they were to try and make it non uh, a little less linear, is maybe if they just put back like the old side quests they had in like Final Fantasy 7 or Final Fantasy 8 where they just had like well, yeah, you know temples that you could explore that you don't necessarily know about unless you explore the map. Yeah that's the thing I mean the 7 like pretty much every game up until 10 and even 10 kind of was was completely non-linear. Mm-hmm. Sure you had a path that you had to go but I mean imagine 7 okay so you've just arrived at Costa del Sol you, your next place, Port of Call, I believe, is Gold Saucer, and then it's uh, Cosmo Canyon. But you don't have to go to Cosmo Canyon. You can go to the Gongaga Reactor. You can go and get Vincent. You can get Yuffie if you want to. Mm-hmm. Completely random. Nothing to do with the main story. And they're not side paths. It doesn't say, do you want to go this way? Do you want to go to Gongaga Reactor? It lets I think you the only decide reason why for they yourself. Been doing that is because they don't have the overworld. Yeah, exactly, but and I don't know why they can't do it. I mean, they say it's because of development; it would take too long. But there are plenty of other games that do it. I mean, you look at Elder Scrolls Five, and uh, I'd say that world is pretty. Oh, big. you just had to bring Skyrim yeah. into the discussion. Well, it's like you know, if the Western games can do it, why can't Square Enix? Yeah, I think I think at the very least they're taking a right step, a step in the right direction with thirteen. But it also, but it seems as though they've taken quite a few steps back. Yeah. Well, it just feels like, you know, because we've seen it done in the past, why isn't it, why can't it be done again? Like, it's just, it's it's frustrating that as the games, as the games have gone on and become more graphically advanced, they've also been able to do less. Well, I mean, 12, 12 had a massive, massive world. Yeah. 
probably one of the biggest worlds we've ever seen or in a video game aside Final from Fantasy an MMO. 14 even. Like that game is that game Let's not talk about that. 14 is massive, but that's on the PC. Yeah. It's true, but it is coming So that's a bit of a different story. 11 was on PC and PS2 and Xbox and that had a massive world as well. So it's not like they can't they can't achieve it. They just claimed that they couldn't because of HD graphics. I don't know. Which I don't really believe. Me neither. If we can <laughs> see I, everybody else doing that, swallow. Square Enix just needs to research lots. Make their development process better. Yes. But yeah, <laughs> um, we're sounding a bit negative about Final Fantasy Thirteen Part 2 right now. I'm actually pretty excited about it. I, as soon as they announced it, and they kind of announced it was going to be a bit darker, I was really excited because I felt that the one thing that Thirteen didn't have was a good story delivery. Mm-hmm. Like... It, it got the story was actually quite good. Like once you the story understand and the everything, the of FF13 is actually really, really yeah. massive. Mm-hmm. But and just the way it was executed, in yeah, game, it's like it was a all, mess. There was there was no direct like Lightning is billed as the main character, but Snow just had had just as important part as did any of the other characters. I mean, they all had very important Especially roles to play. Especially Fang and Vanilla. Yeah. And in previous games, it was always a main character a supporting character and then everyone else was kind of doing their own thing and i think with 13 it kind of got a bit lost because half the first half of the game is that it just you're talking about the characters you don't even really know what's going on they're just running away there's no purpose to what they're doing really they just know they've got to try and do this thing but they don't really know what that thing is you only see the bad guy about three times throughout the entire game yeah and like even you know i said in a forum post I've spoken to many people and asked them to recant the story for Final Fantasy XIII, <laughs> and none of them have a clue. No. Like, post- most people don't even know what the difference between a Falsy and a Lucy is. Uh, and I think if if they're going to nail Thirteen Part Two, that is the key aspect. And I mean, if you think about older Final Fantasy games, generally the gameplay is pretty basic. I mean, the turn-based fighting system was very slow, very easy. All you had to do was just press the X button pretty much well even, really... even in ff13 it's pretty much the same you just got to hit the x button yeah but 13 was more strategic because it was real time and you had to do paradigm shifting and stuff in the older ones you literally didn't even have to use magic mm-hmm. you could you could pretty much just go through just attacking using base attacks i don't think i really ever use magic in any of them i never use any items i never use any summons <laughs> I, just I always use sub- summons in the cl- in the more classic titles but with 12 top the summons in 12 were absolutely useless <laughs> yes the summons in Final Fantasy so, I mean, were kind of fun, though. I liked them. Yeah, I think I think if you think about what made the older games successful, it was having a strong main character, having a strong supporting character, having a good ensemble cast because that's all they're really supposed to be. They're not supposed and to be And having a really characters. good villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having a good villain, having a good story which melds everything together, and then having the side quests which Twelve kind of had. Well, like 12, had, 12 had, had your hunt, hunting marks, which yeah, that was 13 pretty much it, had as, as well. But and for some reason, it was not as fun in 13. Yeah, it was just kind of, it felt more like a chore. I think there were too many of them. Mm-hmm. And like it, uh, all the older ones had more than one thing as well. You know, like 9, you had all, you had all the card games in the past. Um, there were loads of really small things, like 9, you had the Mognet. Mm-hmm. And you had like hi- hidden... Hi- hidden treasures you had a chocolate hot and cold yep and you like you had the whole thing about fighting Ozma sure you know there's oh some, Ozma that guy's yeah 12 had years match well the one thing I'm kind of I'm kind of frightened about is with this new introduction of Noel how is this going to kind of alter what's already there you know like I mean yeah, like I mean, how is this how is this story with all the time paradoxes that I'm that like we're learning about this game and all. Oh, stuff. that's all a load of baloney. But it's just is like it a time how, paradox is, how or just is this going to fit within the, the Final Fantasy Thirteen universe? Like how it, I, how will it well, fill in, initially, fit in without being too confusing? When they initially build it as being a dark game, I was really pumped for it because I thought Lightning would be a perfect fit for that. She's already a very dark character, and kind of t- Thirteen saw her go from a dark character to a more light and fluffy one. Uh huh. And but, then at the end of Thirteen, she reverts back to being a dark character yeah. apparently. and I was like you know if she's going to be the main character again this is going to be really awesome we'll get rid of all the other characters because they don't really suit that dark tone mm-hmm. but they pretty and much just pulled the Sons of Liberty on us yeah, Lightning and they're is like, not the main playable character like I mean, you do get character. to play as Lightning from time to time as they showed us in, in, in yeah. the demo but yeah. not all the time most of the time you'll be playing as Noel and, and Sarah 
if they're going to try and make a dark story, could you think of two characters which could, cos- could possibly be worse for that than Noel and Sarah? Yeah. The most cheerful well, and happy Well, we don't know people. anything about Noel right now, so you never know. But he, he doesn't exactly He might look, look like light a... and fluffy, but he might have a dark secret. Mm. Well, Sarah certainly doesn't. Miss Goody Two-Shoes. Yeah. Except that she's a, she was a Lucie, but I guess now Lucies aren't considered dark secrets. Well, well so the fact yeah. that everybody else has dealt with it and, you know... Yeah, I I still have high hopes for them because if they if they want to take one criticism on board is the story delivery. Mm-hmm. I I didn't I didn't mind the linearity so much because ten show that you can have the linearity, but if you have a good story driving it through, you don't really notice. Yeah, but because that's all you care about. You care about what's happening in the story, what's happening exactly. In the characters. But ten With thirteen, did... it was kind of hard to care about the characters. But ten did have did have a nice balance of linearity versus non-linearity because they had like the ultimate weapon they had the legendary weapons which you could find and they had a ton of yeah side that was quests. quite late on though huh well you had that you have that in 13 as well but you uh you're expected to like farm a lot yeah i think the difference between 10 and 13 though is like like in 10 you're going through all the different villages you can explore the different villages you want you can talk to all the different npcs 13 just had a corridor <laughs> which fit with but, like, oh, but the story as you said before but... towns and towns wouldn't really work for th- 13 considering they're off yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't work you know they they made the right decision there for the for the story that they had mm-hmm. but then maybe they should have changed the story to make Adapt. it more accommodating who knows yeah, maybe oh you know they maybe they could have put them outcasts. in towns like like the bit where snow snow was in on cocoon and that whole angry mob was out for him mm-hmm. i don't know so you well, could have either like, way we need to move on now. Yep. Let's talk about <laughs> 13 musings. We need to talk about some actual news about 13. So, Lauren, do you want to take the first part of news that came out of E3? Definitely. All right. Um, Final Fantasy 13 2 will, pe- uh, will be having multiple endings, which they claim didn't actually happen in the Final Fantasy for- before, but that's kind of hogwash it's a trap. because Final Fantasy 10-2 had multiple endings. So. Yeah, they've said quite a lot of things uh, new for Final Fantasy Thirteen Part Two, but they're actually not. Um, so yeah, multiple endings were in Ten Part Two, mm-hmm. and um, to do that, but it was, it's, I think it's going to be slightly different this time around. Yeah, because the the multiple endings in Ten Part Two were based on what percentage of completion you had, mm-hmm. and although it was kind of based on decisions you made, because you know you had the whole: do you want to side with New Yevon? Do you want to side with the Youth League? And then that would change what would happen. You know, as um, as Lauren well knows, yeah, uh, certain certain areas were closed to you, and you couldn't, unless you were some evil genius using a guide, <laughs> get one hundred percent completion. <laughs> I am an evil genius on your first playthrough. Mm. Yeah, it was impossible, almost, next to impossible, to get one hundred percent completion unless you play through twice. Yeah, pretty much. At least twice. Um. Yeah. But yeah, like. But. Oh, go ahead. I should say with uh, with thirteen part two, it seems as though the, the multiple endings will be affected by what decisions you make throughout the story. Yeah, it seems, mm-hmm. especially since they showcased that uh, decision wheel. I'm kind of wondering um, because, like, in Final Fantasy ten two, the multiple endings were kind of, were pretty much shallow, like how you were saying about like the percentage completion. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe this one will be a lot more, uh, a little more deeper, and sort of kind of like. Um, well, kind of what they were doing with Catherine, which I really liked, is uh, the fact that, you know, everything you're doing in the game affects the ending. And there's, like, a ton of endings to choose from. So I'm I'm just wondering where they're going to go with it. Like, if they're going to go the more shallow route with, like, Final Fantasy ten two, I hope they don't. More, more morality-based, you know? I think, well, ten part 2 is kind of a, a side one, because um, usually Final Fantasy games have a very long, drawn-out ending. Yeah. Now, I don't know how they're going to do this because there has to be a true ending. Yeah. So, like, there how are they going to... one that's canonical. Yeah, how are they going to decide which is the correct ending? Because, like, Mortal Kombat, every, every character has an ending, but there's only one well, true you ending. Well, you never know. Maybe they might make all the endings canon, but maybe it just happens in, diff- in a different way. Kind of like how Mass Effect does it. I mean, the endings are pretty much the same. It's just delivered differently. Well, if they do how they do with um, Final Fantasy X-2... And I, I'll spoil this because it's been, no fan service ending, please. It's been it's no been a fan while, service ending. but um, the the bad ending, if you get like a poor percentage, was basically um, you go to the fire plane and Yuna um, sees Titus, but Titus is actually still a um, 
sent. So he's um, just as he was when he was at the end of Final Fantasy X. So he's pretty much still dead. Um, but if you get the good ending, um, well, there's the one ending, which is like the normal ending, which is pretty much just that ending just without the sad part. Um, then there's the good ending where you see that Titus comes back. And then there's the perfect ending where Titus and Yuna have a lovely little chat at the end of the credits. So it's just kind of like, you know, it, it was just kind of expanded on. It wasn't really... It wasn't yeah, really I, I, I hope, I'm hoping that they won't be that shallow this time around. Yeah. They'll actually put some thought into how it's going to work. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm really interested to see what they have. I, I think it's going to be very interesting as well because, I mean... They showed lightning fighting against some purple head dude who we have we know nothing about yet, and since like there's going to be the whole like lightning isn't in the same place as Noel and Sarah, and I'm guessing they're never going to be brought together because Square Enix have stated that you'll only have a two, have two playable characters in your party at one time. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing the story is going to focus solely around Nora, N- Noel, and Sarah. Yeah. What's going to happen with that whole purple head dude? Is it just going to be? Is he going to be a minor character? That's just kind you of... never know. You they, it might switch between uh, Noel, Sarah, Lightning, and the purple dude, and Lightning maybe having like one on ones with the guy. Yeah, it's going to be very strange. Which kind of I mean, she did have that one on one battle with Chaos Bahamut, which was pretty epic in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it looked as though it was impossible to lose that. Yeah, but but <sighs> yeah. Uh, so next story. <laughs> All right, so we we also asked Katase when. They had decided to uh, make the sequel. This and he, he told us around the time when they launched it back in March last year. And he said that one, of, one of the main reasons for that was that FS13 had grown too big to be squashed into just one game. This whole thing makes me cringe because firstly he's saying they didn't decide after the Japanese release, they decided after the Western release, mm. which means they never intended to make a sequel. Oh, I'm sure they had it in the back of their heads somewhere, just not written down on paper. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, if it does well, we'll make a sequel, but... If it doesn't, yeah. we'll just move on. So that always kind of worries me. Whenever there hasn't been a planned sequel, it's never that great. Yeah. Well, considering they apparently have that much material to work with, it could be good for them. Well, the thing is, though, right? If they're saying it was too big for one game, it seems as though this story is going to be very, very different to ten. Uh, to it seems, it seems as though this story is going to be very, very different to thirteen. Mm. So are they suggesting that... You can take it two ways. Like, are they saying they're going to use all the additional resources they had, or are they going to be using the content they couldn't fit into thirteen? That's a very good question. I take it as that they're just going to expand the lore of thirteen, while at the same time using the assets that they couldn't use in the original game. Well, there was also because that... honestly speaking, after playing the demo, the game doesn't look all that much better than the original. There was a news story where they said that how they um they had like scenes in, uh, they had a whole bit didn't they in um lightning's house yeah lightning's house and stuff it would be yeah they had modern lightning's house the property around it was lakeside you could walk around it and they had to cut it all out it would be interesting if they like just chose to do um final fantasy 13 from like i mean of course they already took into account many people's perspectives but if they focused on one sole different perspective that would have been interesting but I don't know. It seems like an entirely different world, this one. Like, Final Fantasy XIII, too, just doesn't well, it is seem all like taking it's place connected. on Pulse instead of Cocoon. So we think. Well, we think. The, the demo that we saw was taking place in Cocoon. Yeah. Or is it Pulse? No, it, no wait. No, no that was, was Pulse. They were being attacked on New Bodom. Yeah, New Pulse. Bodom, which is what they, they wanted. They made Pulse look like Cocoon. Mm. It just... Okay, right. Uh, last news story we have is... Uh, it seems to be one that's causing a lot of uh, confusion. <laughs> mm Lost in translation, I say. Yes, well, it's very confusing because basically we interviewed Toriyama and Kataze and I asked, is Najima writing the story for 13 Part 2? And he said, no, he's not directly involved with the story writing. He's indirectly involved because he's a writer for Fabula Nova Crystallis, but he's not directly involved with 13 Part 2. Then he went on to say that Yun Eshima and called, uh, and called Yun Eshima a mister instead of a missus, or Miz, I don't know if she's married, and he said that she wrote episode I, and then and then he said, but she basically wrote the scenario. So, but then people have contacted Yuna Ashima, and she said that she's not writing the story. So I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, because I'm just gonna 
put it up as lost in translation. Yeah, because you have Toriyama who's apparently saying that Najima is not involved with it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But everyone's saying that he still is. People have people have even come on our website and said that we're lying, we made it up, which is yeah. not true because and now we, we don't have, have a source. When in fact, we actually took it from Kitaze and Toriyama themselves. Yes, we have an audio recording to prove it, and we've had no contact from Square Enix, so they obviously have no problem with what we've said. Exactly, but everybody else seems uh, to. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't really understand. It's very, very strange and confusing that no one seems to know who is writing what. Yeah. In any case, maybe, I think we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, maybe the translator just translated my question incorrectly, or Perhaps. he translated Toriyama's resp- response incorrectly. I don't know. But the fault does not lie with us. We were just repeating what we were told by the translator during our interview. So please, no trolling. Because <laughs> yes. I was there and oh, I witnessed I the entire you. thing. And I know what he, I know what the translator said. And I know that it's exactly what we reported on. So, you know, mistakes happen. But there's no you've reason to get mad saying at us. That, um, you've even got people saying that Daisuke Watanabe, who wrote the story for 13, is going to be involved with 13.2, yet... Toriyama said it's going to be a completely different team this time around. Yeah. So uh, uh, it's it's very, very confusing. Yeah, really. But enough about that. Um, I'm sure we'll find out soon enough, maybe when the game comes out and we look at the credits. <laughs> and if it says Yunishima Well, the game is there, out by the end of the year. Yeah. yeah. If it says Yunishima in there, then um, I In your be, face! Yeah, saying in your face. Gary will post a video <laughs> of him dancing. I will not do that. Might do. <laughs> right, so... Time to move on to the next section, which is burning, burning question. question. And, you know, we've already been talking about this a bit with 13 Part 2. But the question was, do you think Final Fantasy as a game or a franchise is heading in the right direction? We had a few mixed responses, a few people getting a bit... Well, there are a few bits of confusion in there. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll read out the responses and we'll let you know mm-hmm. what we think about them. Yeah, so the first response is from Zero on the forums, who said, well, I still love... Final Fantasy, many things Square Enix is doing irks me. It can all be summed up with they are losing their roots. It's like the old saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Lackluster characters, combat becoming hack and slash, lack of open worlds, and moved cross-platform. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely agree with that. Like, um, I liked the Final Fantasies just as they were. Although, with that being said, there have, like, Final Fantasies are always... They're always changing with every game, like, story-wise and combat-wise. Like, um, there's many alterations that people, that they make to the games. Um, But I, in my honest opinion, I I would just prefer they go back to their roots, which is what I think they're kind of doing with Type-0. So, yeah, if it's not not broke, don't fix it. Well, hey, you only have to look at Dragon Quest, who... They have they not tried... changed anything. Yeah, they tried to change all, things, everyone complained, and Dragon Quest Nine is the biggest selling one of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Either way, right, so Mo2in on Twitter said, To be honest, Final Fantasy just hasn't been the same since Final Fantasy X for me. The magic was just not there. What? What? I call blasphemy because I, th- I thought twelve had a lot of magic. The only thing that was lacking was the pacing of the story. It's the same deal with FF13. It, was, it had great mechanics, it was overall fun, but the story just had a messy execution well the ninja max on the forums says final fantasy as of now is teetering between a rock and a hard place depending on who you ask the franchise has gone downhill since the departure of sakaguchi and signs only seem to point to the worst i do not agree with that i don't i think sakaguchi uh was pretty much on the way out anyway i mean the spirits within was a massive sham and that was pretty Mm -hmm. much his entire fault uh, and you only have to look at what he's done since he left Square Enix to realize Lost that. Yeah, Lost Odyssey was Blue good. Dragon. Everything else he's done hasn't been so great. So I wouldn't well, he has, say he's doing the last story, and that is apparently from its most wanted game. Okay, well I, I don't really <laughs> know about much about that, but what he what he'd done prior to the last story, if that is fantastic, wasn't that great. And so you know his game, they don't have the Final Fantasy brand name, but they haven't sold anywhere near as well as any of the Final Fantasy titles have. They aren't anywhere near as highly rated so i wouldn't necessarily say that things have got worse since sakaguchi left they've just been different Mm -hmm. and some people like the way it's gone some people don't i you know sakaguchi's last true game was nine that was like his tribute game and i that's the one i like the least so (laughs) 
I shake my fist at you, Daryl. That was the, that's the one I like the most. Screw you, Colin. Ooh. Anyway, Shaps on the forum says, maybe not the right direction, but I'll still say a consistent one. The way I see it, the combat systems, etc. over the few main installments have evolved in a fairly consistent manner. It's true, the combat systems have. Like, I mean, they're always doing, trying to do something new with the combat system. But the thing about... The thing that I think Square Enix is losing is Final Fantasy has never been all about the combat systems. Like, I mean, sure, they've always had a combat system that's worked, but ultimately, it's been the story. The story is what people want or expect from a Final Fantasy. Well, that's a bit of a generalization. Um, The story is what a lot of people expect from a Final Fantasy. (laughs) What I expect from a Final Fantasy. Well, okay, some people, <laughs> but in any case, you're playing an RPG. In any case, you're playing an RPG. You're you playing get it the for point. the story. You get the and point. you play if you play an RPG, you're playing it for the story. You're playing it for the characters. You're playing it for the story, the environment, the, that the experience, the experience. You're not playing it for awesome groundbreaking um, combat systems. Like you, do which is why Western RPGs generally have really bad gameplay. Exactly, because they, they try to be an action game and fail dismally. Yeah, but yeah, let's take a Mass Effect One. Ooh, ooh, that's harsh. Okay, so uh, Costa Zo- Costa Gas on that's Twitter awesome says, name. "Yes, Final Fantasy doesn't have a right or wrong direction. It's always changing and always unique. That's what makes it so popular." Well, the thing about that is that it's a direction that Final Fantasy th- takes, which is pretty ironic, but. One that I can agree with. I don't mind them changing things up with every title. It's what makes it really fun. Darth David M zero one says, "Final Fantasy has no direction. Each title is its own reboot and take on the series. That quote direction end quote is Final Fantasy, and I adore it for doing what no other big franchise can dare to do." I, I know that's pretty much just what Colin was saying. Like the the fact that they do this whole like every game is different is its direction. But the thing is that I think, and and this is kind of go on to just my opinion on the whole thing is that no, like twelve and thirteen have divided the the franchise's fan base like no other game previous. Like if you you know people have their favorites out of seven, eight, nine, and ten, but you if you ask the majority of people who like Final Fantasy. It's more a difference of opinion. It's not they don't like the games. It's like maybe they don't like one quite as much. Mm-hmm. But with 12 and 13, there are people that literally don't like them. Mm-hmm. It's split the fan bases. Maybe that's because, you know, like if you think about 6 through 10, all came out within a relatively short space of time. And then we had to wait five years for 12. And then we had to wait like another five to six years for uh, 13. So, you know, the fan bases have grown up. The, the, the release between 10 and 13 is a ridiculous amount of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fan bases are going to... Tastes have changed. And I think the fact that Square Enix were releasing games so sporadically really made the transition very difficult. Because let's say they were still releasing a game every one year or every two years like they were originally. It would have been easier for them to phase in changes. Like, they wouldn't have just gone straight from 10, linear, 12 completely non-linear we're doing a new, completely new story approach we don't have a main character anymore everyone's like what the hell this isn't the game I expected <laughs> 13 they change it again completely we're going to like a really fast paced battle system everyone's now a main character what the hell we didn't expect that <laughs> I think you know the previous titles there was a completely new, unique story there was completely new, unique characters they kept the core battle system very similar but they changed it in different ways like 10-2 was ha- an amazing battle system it was a, an amazing take on turn-based battle systems but the thing they didn't do is make radical changes they made small changes like you know the, the material system went to the junction system went to the AP system went to the sphere grid but they were changes that people could deal with because they weren't major like genre changing changes well 12 they pretty were... much changed all of that yeah 12 changed an entire genre mm-hmm. you st- Thir- every, and 13 every... kind of went went back a bit yeah mm-hmm. well like 12 12 saw it so that pretty much every JRPG that came out after 12 went for an open world system where you had AI controlled party members then Persona came along they did their combat system where it went back still into round battles but you had AI controlled partners in the combat 
13 kind of stole that, but they kind of put their own shift on it with paradigm shifts and stuff. Well, 13's so, battle system is a lot like 10-2. Yeah. Yeah, except, again, you, it's just one... You control one person, and I I think the changes... It's not the fact that they're, they're making the changes. I love that. I love the fact that with 13, they didn't compromise. They kept to their true to their beliefs, and they decided, look, we're still going to do our own thing. But they're trying to please people yeah they're trying to still do their own unique thing but they're they're only doing it based on what people say they want 12 was blatantly made to try and appeal to a western audience because japanese people didn't yeah the western gamers who love western rpgs loved it it's the highest rated final fantasy ever in the west but quite a lot of the core fan base were kind of a bit iffy about it Mm. 13 it's the lowest selling game in japan uh, I mean, I know it hasn't been out anywhere near as long as the other ones, but I don't think it's going to catch up. Yeah. But from what they're saying about thirteen two, pretty much every single thing they've said, they're doing because of the f- of what people have wanted. Like they're keeping the battle system exactly the same because that's the, p- the thing that people like the most. They're completely changing how they do the story because everyone complained the last one was too linear. It's like you don't need us to tell you how to make a good game. No. You're the professionals. You should know what to make, how to make a good game. And you think well, it's the not thing like is, I don't think twelve and thirteen were the only things. Like fourteen was definitely a big eye opener for them. It, it bombed really hard. If you really think about it, they've never asked us for what we wanted before in a Final Fantasy. Like, well, if you think about the old well, ones, well, they have. Like they seven, just never bothered to implement it. Yeah, with, with <laughs> seven, eight, nine, and ten. Firstly, they had a much better system in place because they had two teams. When one was working on one game, the other one was working the other one. They had a consistent like two to three year development cycle, but they had a game coming out every one to two years because of how they were overlapping. There wasn't really time for them to kind of like get feedback and stuff about how things were going. There wasn't really the kind of same media presence that there is now. Mm. They weren't under the same scrutiny. Like, they didn't really have to worry about fan feedback. I, you know, it, it's a very different world now, but it seems as though they're more concerned with what's going to sell than what should we, what's the right thing for us to do. Mm-hmm. Well, Especially now because of the financial problems they're having. Well, just with Final Fantasy, I don't remember that I'm asking for our feedback for Final Fantasy 7 through 9. Well, we might not have even been aware of it if they were asking. Yeah. So I feel like if they haven't asked us, if they didn't... If they didn't do that before, like, why just change it now? I mean, I understand the financial situation, but, like, it's just, it's so difficult. Well, anyway, uh, the next burning question is uh, kind of related to this. It's, were you satisfied with Square Enix's showing at this year's E3? There was only one Final Fantasy game, everything else was Western. But were you happy with what they showed? Deus Ex, Tomb Hitman. Dungeon Siege. Deus Ex. Dead Island. He just said Deus Oh, he did say Deus Ex. Never mind. Yes. Wakfu. Wakfu. Oh, Wakfu. Well, Wakfu is French. <laughs> yes. Okay, now we're going to jump into some questions. And do you want to take the first one, Colin? All right, sure. The first question is from Ariana. And the question is, will there be foul sea in Final Fantasy Thirteen Part 2? I'm going to say yes. But that's only a guess because... Square Enix has stated that the foul sea will be a prominent part in every single game in the Fabula Nova Crystallis franchise. So the Falci are going to be in Type 0, unless they've changed that. <laughs> they were planned to be in Aguito. And they're planned to be in Versus 13 as well. And since 13 Part 2 is part of the Fabian Nova Crystallis franchise, I'm guessing they will be. Because it's especially, not like at the they're end on Pulse the, now. It's not like at the end of 13 where all the Falci just kind of dropped dead. Well, it's the Pulse Falci. Mm-hmm. Still, they've still got the whole things. And I think Etro is one... She's isn't out Etro a Falci, and she's like the, one of the main focuses of I 13 Part 2. I believe so. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yes, well, I'm going to say yes. Okay, well, this next question is from Missy Lovely, who asks, if Takiharu Ishimoto, the composer of Crisis Core and The World Ends With You, were to compose a soundtrack for Final Fantasy XV, how would you feel about this? I would not feel excited at all. Well, I would be more <laughs> neutral than anything, because I was not a, a major fan of Crisis Core. Sure, I loved uh, Zack's theme. It was very solid, very sad. I have not played the, en- the World Ends With You. I'm not- what other soundtracks has Ishimoto Dissidia. composed? The city. Oh, definitely not a fan of that because I <laughs> bought the soundtrack on Impulse and it sucks balls. That's a very epic description, Colin. Just mm. how he composes the Final Fantasies. They just don't sound Final Fantasy. It's mostly fantasy. just rearrangements of already. I'm gonna. Already I'm gonna be the voice themes. of reason here because I'm gonna say so far he has not really had 
a platform to show us what he can do. Like The World Ends With You was slightly, but so far he's only been able to compose music for PSP and DS games. He hasn't been given a big project where, like, you know, Crisis Core, he had to fit in a load of arrangements from Seven. Decidio, he had to fit in a load of arrangements from all the different games. Well, what even his original you... compositions in Crisis Core and yeah, Decidio. But, but, yeah, like that's the type theme. of games, though. Like, the music he composed for Crisis Core, it fit Crisis Core. It was a very kind of happy-go-lucky game. And I think if he had the chance to do a main series Final Fantasy, I think he'd do an okay job. Like I don't think he'd be an amazing composer for it, but I think he'd do it. He'd do us proud. I don't think he could do any worse than Sakamoto did with Twelve. <laughs> hey, hey, I like Twelve. That's because you're an idiot. Yeah, I just Your think that. Um, I just, from what I've seen of him, I don't think his style of um, his style of composing really necessarily fits Final Fantasy. Um, I well, I'll. Like I, I just Sorry, I ahead. can't see it. Maybe, maybe if we give him a chance on a Final Fantasy game, he might be able to sway my opinion. But from what I've heard of him so far, he seems much more modern and kind of takes away from the sort of classical vibe that um, that Nobu Uematsu kind of has. Like with, but we don't want to be caught in the whole. It's not Nobu Uematsu. I know, I'll say this: so I won't hard. get excited until I hear something good from him it's so hard not to okay. get caught in that but well the last question we have is from hunter slasher 13 and he asks as a final fantasy fan what do you think of a moogle transforming into a weapon in 13 part 2 well i don't really want to attack people with a moogle because i think that's kind of mean and I, i'm sure that peter will have something against that. yeah peter are going to be quite upset about that <laughs> but, well, the thing is the moogle isn't a real animal but i will say don't say that they are real in my heart Okay, um, but I will say that I think that having like a Moogle companion in this game is going to be—it it looks really cute because, like, um, if you see in the demo, um, whenever the Moogle sees something or like gets excited about something, he starts glowing, and then he'll That's like run over. It's got nothing to do with him being a weapon, though. It's got nothing to do with him being a weapon. But it's like no, but item. just the fact that he changes into a weapon and you can club somebody in the face with a Moogle. I don't want to club somebody in the face with a Moogle. So we have a split. I think here. it's pretty... Some people... Okay, Lauren's I thought, unhappy I thought about it. it. Colin really... is very happy with it. I thought it would be really lame, but I was surprised by it. He's Maybe so the Moogle could turn into a chainsaw. Oh, gosh. A Moogle chainsaw. Yeah, that'd be awesome. He'll kill you with paper cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he can just turn into pom-poms. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, that's pretty much it for this episode. Uh, we're now going to go on to talk about the music that we've selected for this show. I, I think it's very apt. Mm-hmm. It's from Final Fantasy XIII, and the original song is Will to Fight. And the original title is Blue Skies, and it's from OC Remix by Blind and Ashley James. What do you guys think about this track? I think it's pretty cool. It has some dubstep in it, and it's actually one of my favorite tracks from Final Fantasy XIII. It's, um, it's just nice. It's it's the one that plays... Oh, when is it? It, it sounds like it's the one that plays... Don't like, ask right Colin, he you, doesn't know any of the tracks. Right before you play... Uh, right before you fight Sid Reigns, I'm going to say. I'm not entirely sure. Spoilers. That might be, well, that might be wrong. It's been a year, Daryl. It's been a rear. It's <laughs> been a year, and really that's... It's been a rear. A, a rear, yeah. Um, but I, I dig it. I think it's, I think it's nice. Yeah, it's to be honest, I could not there. recognize it for the life of me. Well, <laughs> you wouldn't recognize the original track either. The only, the only song that I recognize from the 13th soundtrack is "Blinded by Light" and "Eternal Promise." And, there we go. And uh, oh, "Kimi ga Yeah, but that's not in our Japanese endings theme. Not "Hands" by Leona Lewis. It's not in our game, Colin. That's why <laughs> I have the Japanese soundtrack. In your face. So do I. <laughs> okay, well, while you listen to that episode, I just, it's a good time to remind you that the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled for release on the 12th of July. If you're listening to it the first time, be sure to subscribe to the podcast feed by looking up the podcast feed on iTunes. If you just search for Final Fantasy, we are the number one podcast. Or if you want to search for Kingdom Hearts, we're the number one for that as well. And of course, you can chat all. And of course, you can catch all our news coverage from Final Fantasy at FinalFantasyUnion.com, as well as checking out the character battle, which is going on right now. Round yeah. one just end, ended. Round one did just end. We're on a little mini break now uh-huh. before round two gets going. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, round two should start this week. It should have started yesterday. <laughs> maybe. Well, 
Well, <laughs> no, that's your time zone because in your time zone that was Monday. It just turned Monday today, so. Whatever, it'll be up when it's up. Exactly. You can also catch the show at Colin. FF-XII.net FXN for those who recognize David. Yes. And I would like to once again apologize for the fact that this episode was a day late. Very sorry. Damn you. But for now, everyone is going to say their goodbyes. Goodbye. Get to the chopper. And I'm Daryl saying get to the chopper. This has been a tweaksmusic.com and FinalFantasyUnion.com production.